My name is Kevin Tony, and you're now listening to the Uncommon Sense Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Uncommon Sense Podcast. Today, I'm excited to have a guest on the show uh, who is somebody that I have admired on social media for quite a while now. She is uh, a bit of a firebrand when it comes to the posts, the talking points. She can go head to head with anybody in a political arena. And uh, she just seems like an all around cool chick. So every time I see her on social media, I've always thought it'd be dope to have a conversation with her. And so, ladies and gentlemen, welcome the one, the only Miss Shamika Michelle. Hey, how are you tonight? Hi, Kevin. Thank you for having me. I'm doing okay. Good, good. Long day. Yes, I understand. And um, so, so we'll jump right into it. I, I will tell you that you came on my radar. Actually, I got familiar with the Naked Girls Instagram page first. And this was back in, I think, 2020. And it was the video clip where you were at the BLM, um, the BLM protest or riot and you had your bullhorn and you were going in and then some people did some commentary about they I guess they didn't like that you were you know speaking against BLM and so I immediately started following your page because I lined up with what you were what what you were saying and so I guess I'll start with my first question is well and then the naked girls Instagram page led me to your personal page, Shamika Michelle, and then that started me following you and keeping up with what you were doing and, you know, your work on uh, different news outlets and with Jason Whitlock at Fearless. And uh, I think my favorite moment watching you shine was on the walkaway debate that happened. um, I think that was back in October, right before the election. Yes. Yes. And so um, I want to ask you, how how do you feel how do you think you got kind of thrust into this spotlight uh to be you know in the space that you're in by mistake um (laughs) so well i started the naked girls of course intentionally i wanted a place where especially women could go and remove the mask and just be who they really are I felt like I had gone through years of just kind of going through the motions and pretending. So it was important to me to have a space where people didn't have to pretend. They could be who they were, good, bad, or indifferent. And so I would put videos up on um, Facebook, sometimes YouTube, but mostly Facebook. And then I started going live on Facebook three times a week and In 2018, I stopped the lives because I was thinking I wanted to kind of revamp, make them more professional. And I Mm -hmm. actually got kicked off Facebook in 2018. And so I was really upset by that because I had these big plans, you know. Mm -hmm. And my friend said to me, she was like, put your videos on Twitter. And I was like, Twitter, girl, I got 250 followers. It was like something (laughs) really low. And I was like, no one, you know, wants to hear from me on Twitter, but I did it anyway. And a lot of conservatives started flocking to me. And I was just like, okay, what do these white people want with me? You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> because I wasn't used to that. I and, and nor was I really um into politics that way. Right. Towards the end of Obama's term, like things didn't sit well with me, but I wasn't Mm -hmm. exactly sure what it was. In 2016, I knew I wasn't voting for Hillary, but I thought something was wrong with me because I like Trump. And so I stood in the voting booth and I was like, I can't vote for either one of them because I'm crazy if I vote for him. And Mm -hmm. I knew I wasn't voting for her. Right. But immediately after the election, like I was upset with myself that I didn't vote for him because I'm like, if if that's my truth, you know, if that's me keeping it naked, I should have kept it naked. Nobody was even looking at me in that vote, you (laughs) know? (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) And so I just started kind of, you know, 
slowly but surely coming out like I understand what he's saying I can see it I can I I feel that you know um message that he's putting out there and so by 2018 when I was forced to put my stuff on Twitter I guess it came across more conservative than I knew that I was like I didn't know that I was conservative I thought I was just saying common sense things like right things that actually I value for years like I've been pro-life mm -hmm. pretty much my whole life you know I can remember arguing with friends in college that to me were treating abortion like a, a method of birth control yeah I remember, you know, I've always felt like men were important. Fathers were important. I've always kind of, I guess, maybe idolized men a little bit, at the, for lack of a better word, right. because I was raised with three uncles. Okay. And so I just love them. Like, you know, I was probably grown before I realized my uncle would say to me, um, she, she, get me some uh, Kool-Aid. My hands are dirty. So I would have to go in the kitchen and wash my hands and get, you know, the ice and get him some Kool-Aid. I was grown before I realized he could have done the same thing. Right. You know? right. <laughs> like, what, am, what was I doing? But um, so common sense things that I just thought were the right things and conservatives started to flock to me. And then Brandon Strzok of the Walkaway uh, campaign reached out to me and was like, you know, I want to get your Walkaway testimony. And I was like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. He was like, you know, you're a Walkaway. You walked away from the Democrat Party. And I was like, well, yeah, I had never I had always been unaffiliated, but I had always voted Democrat. Right. So, I just really started to look and say, OK, I'm a um you know, I love school choice. My kids all went to charter schools. I had no idea that had, you know, political affiliation. And so I just started to look like, okay, yeah, the way that I think does line up more with conservative values. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't know it because I had always voted Democrat because that's what my family did. That's what we did in the community. That's what my church did. And I knew something wasn't right, like I said, at the end of Obama's term, but I just mm -hmm. could not put my finger on it. And so it was just kind of like, by mistake, I ended right. up, you know, just get been given a platform to speak things that I always felt. I just never knew they lined up, on, you know, with a certain side or whatever. I can understand that. And, and that actually... It has been the same journey for me. It was it was the middle of Obama's second term. And I happily stood in line both times to vote for him. And <laughs> that it was it was at that that the middle of his second term, I started looking around like something something is not right here. And I didn't quite know what wasn't, you know, clicking or what wasn't coming together. But I knew something was not right. And I started asking questions to myself, like internally, because I couldn't have these discussions with my friends. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't even having these conversations with my wife because, you know, where politics were concerned, I didn't want to be seen as, you know, the type of person that this is how I'm voting. You need to do it the way I'm doing it. You know, so I wanted her to be able to, you know, have her own choice, mm -hmm. um, which a whole nother conversation to me. I wasn't willing to suppress her vote. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but I ended up changing my registration from Democrat to independent because I didn't feel like I was a Republican. Right. And so I just kind of, it was the same thing for me. And then when, when the candidate field started to shrink in 2016 and it came down to Hillary and Donald Trump, I knew I wasn't voting for Hillary for the simple fact that what she did with those emails mm -hmm. to me, I felt like if, if I did that, I would be in trouble in a lot of trouble and nothing is going to happen to her. Right. And so, plus I was tired of the Clintons anyway. I mean, I feel mm -hmm. like we, we got, we, there's this cycle of candidates that we get thrown in front of and they always end up having the same last name. And I'm like, there are millions of people in this country and this is all we had to choose from. So right. can we, you know, so, I just decided that, well, I, I have to choose somebody 
I like Donald Trump. I like what he says. He must be something, you know, must be something different about him. And so I voted for him, but I didn't tell anybody that I did that. I just voted. And I didn't even tell my wife. Mm-hmm. And when it was over and done with, she, you know, we had a conversation. She said, well, I voted for Donald Trump. And I said, well, okay, well, I did too. <laughs> and oh, wow. yeah, so it was, it was very hard not understanding, you know, what it was being a conservative, this new thing of being, you know, I mean, well, I don't even really know what it means to be independent. And, you know, so how do I navigate in this new area? And so I just started leaning into different people that I would see on social media that they like Donald Trump and it kind of took you down a rabbit hole of this person would tag this person and it would be like, okay, you start finding new people who are like-minded and it kind of just, you know, kind of blossoms from there. Right. So when you finally made the decision or made the discovery that you were conservative, like how did your family and friends receive that? So my family, I think they still think I'm nuts. <laughs> but I I found out that my best friend actually did vote for Donald Trump in 2016. Mm-hmm. And then two of the ladies that were part of the Naked Girls, they had voted for Donald Trump. So it was kind of like once I started saying, once I started being open, then that made them feel more comfortable being open. and. So with my friends, at least I have my best friend. The rest of the people thought I was crazy, kind of. The problem mm-hmm. was so many of them know me as someone that's like open and honest. They know that I don't hate black people, you know, right. especially people that were raised with me, like went to school with me or have known me forever. So it was kind of, we know she is black. We know that she doesn't hate black people. But we just can't understand why she's voting for Trump, who we think don't like black people. All of a sudden. You no. Know? <laughs> yeah. And so it was kind of like confusion for them. So it was like too good for them to look away. Right. So even though they were confused, they continued to follow me simply because they had been following me for a while and they just felt like they had, you know, they knew me. And so I would have people reach out to me all the time in my DMs, like, Mm -hmm. you're getting me to see things differently, or I love the fact that you won't back down, or, and a lot of times these are people that I had gone to school with, so they wouldn't dare say it out loud or, you know, in the comment section of a post where other people could see it, but they were definitely telling me in my inbox I love, you know, what you're saying. I agree or, you know, you I'm I'm seeing things differently. So that was good. My family they they try to be supportive to some degree, but there were definitely a lot of times when I felt like their um you know, their dislike or, you mm-hmm. know, of Donald Trump outweighed their support for me. Um, like when I was invited to the White House, my great uncle, my grandmother's brother was so upset. Like, oh, he, my God, he, we had a group uh, family text. And I said, all I sent was the picture of me sitting in the White House in front of um, Jacqueline Kennedy. And he sent back the nastiest text. I can't stand Trump. Don't ever send any. I mean, I didn't have any words, just a picture. And I'm thinking he rained on your visit to the White House. Yes. And I'm like, you don't know a lot of people that have gone to the White House. Mm -hmm. I know for sure, like my mom, my grandmother, you don't know people that have been invited to Mm -hmm. the White House, not just gone there to stand outside the gate and take pictures, but inside having hors d'oeuvres and drinks like you don't know a lot of people that have done that. And to hate Trump so much that you don't even recognize what your family member is doing was a little disheartening for me. Like Mm -hmm. I was disappointed that people were so blind that, you know, they could be that way, but it is what it is. I mean, of course I'm, I'll always be family. Like, you know, you can't 
get rid of me that easily. But it definitely opened my eyes to how deep rooted a lot of our thoughts are, you know, Mm -hmm. especially within black people. Like I thought it would be a lot easier to get people to look a little deeper than it has been. Yeah. Yeah. It is um the what I've what I've learned, like you said, you you have always thought logically and thought critically in terms of, you know, the topics that are in front of you, these pop culture and and the things that drive society and things that make sense where you're able to separate emotion from your thought process while you're analyzing certain information. And when you talk to family members who don't think the same as you or even friends that don't think the same as you, you learn quickly that they're not able to do that, to separate the emotion out of it. And mm-hmm. it's it's wild because even if you didn't agree with Obama and everything that he did, you would still respect him enough to say, hey, I'm in the White House and I don't, you know, people don't get these opportunities. But you wouldn't decline an invitation or, you know, I mean, to right. be in, to be in that space. And, you know, people just get so caught up in their feelings that they don't even want to fathom the idea of how, you know, how could you even it's the president. You know what I mean? It's the White right. House. Like there's a level of respect. I look at it this way. A lot of a lot of the decisions that we make are, are the ways that we feel like if you work for a major Fortune 500 company, even if you don't agree with the way the CEO is running the company, if you got invited to a meeting to sit with him, you would go. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand how people don't make that connection. They, they make their, you know, it's such an emotional it's it's just it's wild to me. Right. And that to me was the biggest thing that I said to myself, these people just they just don't think like if you take just think about what was just said to us. Listen to what they just said and talk it out. Think about how it doesn't make sense. Look at what they did. You know, they just they don't want to hear it, man. And I had friends that would look at everything that Donald Trump said and they would take what cnn uh i heard you call it the what did you call cnn the coon national negro network yes (laughs) (laughs) yes and they believe it they believe everything that they say and if you don't believe what they say then they automatically assume oh well you must watch fox and when i tell Mm -hmm. people like yeah, I watch it in pieces, but I don't get all my information from from Tucker Carlson. Right. And people don't know how to take the message and digest it because they can't receive the messenger. Mm-hmm. And I think that is it's, it's a big problem, especially in our community. And, and so I have a, a, my next question for you, and this is probably a, a tough one. What what do you think it will take? for our community to, to overcome that? Hmm. Do I be optimistic or pessimistic? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Because I like to think highly, you know, of, of people most of the time. Right. And just knowing myself and how kind of like, I guess the light came on. I feel like, that can happen for anybody. Right. So like out here, especially Republicans say it's a waste of time to go to black communities because mm-hmm. they vote the same way, you know, um, for the last 60 years, 90% of the time, whatever. And it makes me so frustrated because I'm like, that's like zero hope, you know? Right. And I know for myself, like, okay, if I can come to what I feel like is the light, anybody can. Yeah. And so I feel like it would just take more people speaking up and speaking out and speaking the truth. And hopefully just like some of the people that knew me long enough to know that I wouldn't intentionally like lead them in the wrong direction. Mm hmm you know, we'll hear it. Like everybody, if you just reach a few people, then 
that's more people and it'll continue to grow. But again, I was very optimistic initially and just over the last, I don't know, six years or so, mm-hmm. I, was, I was just like, wow, this is 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 deeper than I thought. It's harder right. than I thought. People are more conditioned than I thought. Mm-hmm. And so I, I still think, you know, us getting out there and telling the truth and, you know, being loud about it and not backing down is going to help. I think the pessimistic part of me, though, is just like, it's going to take a lot longer than I anticipated. I agree. And when you when when you're new into something, you come in, you come in optimistic, you know, immediately, I felt when I started finding, you know, like minded, these what white liberals call unicorns being black (laughs) conservatives. Uh, when I started finding others that felt the same and thought the same way I did, you know, I kind of ascribe to the safety in numbers mentality. Mm-hmm. And what I started to find when you come in, you know, you're wide eye, you think everybody's on the same page. Yes. And then as you start getting into it and getting into it, you start to find that that's not necessarily the case. And mm-hmm. so I was kind of exposed to something last year that really made me take a step back. And I want to get your opinion on this. I found out the hard way that within the conservative movement, there are like splinter cells and fractured groups that we all say we want the same thing, but we don't necessarily get along. Mm-hmm. And I find that it's even worse among black conservatives. And I started seeing that what you talked about in terms of how we we have to go into the black community and continue to just kind of provide information through dialogue to help, you know, them see like, hey, we're not saying you have to vote Republican. We just want you to think about the choice that you're making. Right. And I started seeing one group of conservatives to me, that sounded like every time you address Black people, you kind of send them. Mm-hmm. And then I saw another group of Black conservatives that seemed like they were more readily received by our community and mm-hmm. could, could could go into certain hoods and neighborhoods and and barbershops and salons and and be you know respected enough to be allowed to speak, whereas other Black conservatives. I hate using the word dog whistle, but they you can kind of you can tell right away they're not really talking to black people when when they talk about conservative values. And to me, that was that was very disappointing. And I think that's one of the reasons why I enjoyed the walk away debate so much, because it was the exact opposite of that, where you had a mixture of both, you know, those type of liberals and on that conservative side I felt like the people on that panel because I'm familiar with uh Delano uh Squires mm-hmm. I didn't know who Malik Abdul was until that night and uh he and I have connected as well since that that, okay. that debate and it, to me it just I said you know what we need more voices like this to talk to our community if if there's any chance of making a dent in the conditioning that you mentioned which is extremely deep because man i i went to my dad and i asked him why he votes democrat Mm -hmm. and my dad he hated donald trump Mm -hmm. and it was like cnn on a loop all day at his house and I, i he couldn't really tell me and it was just because, well, my grandfather voted Democrat and, you know, and it was just that's the consistency that I hear when I talk to people. They can't really tell you why they vote Democrat. Mm-hmm. They feel that Republicans, you know, the R really stands for racist and yeah. they don't understand, <laughs> you know, the history behind it. And I, t- I told somebody, I said, well, you want black people in conservative circles. But then when they get there, 
they're coons or sellouts. It's not enough. So like, how do you want it? Because we can't have it both ways. It's the same as when I have conversations with people in church and, and in the body of Christ where they say, well, we need politicians that, you know, have a biblical worldview that can take that into into our, you know, local government and national on a federal level. But mm -hmm. then when these people come from those spaces, they get labeled evangelicals, they get yeah. lumped into that whole circle, and then they're immediately dismissed. And I'm saying, <laughs> how do we overcome this? Like, right. You know, it's wild. So I agree with you. Um, I'm pessimistic sometimes. <laughs> I have a I have an uncle who's extremely conservative and he and I talk a lot and he's quick to say there's no hope for our community at this point. He would say that I just don't think that they'll ever come around. And I watched it him slowly kind of wear down, you know, just like every year he had less hope than the year before. And like now when you talk to him, he said, I don't think we'll ever. And I'm not so quick to give up on us. Right. Uh, because I think that we can you know a lot of people can still be reached we've seen it we've seen the numbers start to switch where people are starting to at least at the very least question right. what's happening in government where you see you know the percentage of black men voting republican go up you know right. uh, we saw in georgia they tried to make black men the scapegoats of stacy <laughs> abrams you know losing a second time and right. i don't i don't um I don't think that I, I want to continue to be optimistic, but man, that pessimism is, it's like, it's right there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I definitely understand, you know, I got in trouble. We were talking about the difference in the black conservative group, how there are some that are condescending. And mm -hmm. then there are those that seem like they could go into the community. When I spoke at CPAC in 2021, I made the analogy, you know, I said, suppose Will and Carlton are both conservatives. Uh, Carlton could go in Bel Air and get the conservative word out all day long. But if he couldn't really go to Philly, it would take Will going to Philly mm -hmm. to, to get that conservative message out there. And for some reason, a lot of people found that offensive. That was a viral moment for you. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. And, you know, people thought I was um, throwing shots at Candace Owens. And I was like, well, first of all, she was not on my mind. Maybe she's mm -hmm. constantly on you all's mind. Right. But I'm just sitting on a stage that I've never sat on before. I, there are uh, a lot of people in the audience there. I don't, I'm in my mind. I'm saying I have no idea how many more people are even watching this on television. And Sonny Johnson um, mm -hmm. had just ran up all the time. Right, <laughs> so right, right. I started saying something and then quickly moved to that analogy because in my head, I'm thinking you don't have much time. You need to say something that's going to stick to the people and they're going to get and they're going to understand. Mm -hmm. And so I was literally shocked that you know people took offense to it and were, were saying so you're saying you know some of us aren't black enough or we aren't hood enough and we and or they uh, totally I think missed Jesse, it yeah i think jesse peterson said something about will being a thug you know mm -hmm. and i'm like first of all even in the opening song, it says that he was shooting basketball outside of the school when a couple of thugs that were up to a couple of guys that were up to no good started making trouble in his neighborhood. Mm -hmm. It never said he was a troublemaker. He right. was sent to Bel Air because other people were troublemakers and his mom didn't want him to, you know, fall, whatever. So I'm just like, y'all are making this what it isn't. It was just my way of saying some people will reach a group of people, but it's going to take somebody else to reach a different group of people. And that's with anything. You right. know, when I talk about um, cultural things, there are some people that don't like my delivery. And 
you know, they may love Ayala Van Zandt, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I'm not going to change my delivery. There are a certain group of people that I feel like God would have me talk to. Right. And they're not going to want to hear Ayala. And then mm-hmm. there are going to be people that love Ayala that's not going to like me. Mm-hmm. And that's just with anything, whether it's sports commentary, like whatever, pastors, you right. know, that's why people choose whatever churches they want to go to. So I definitely understand what you're saying. And I wish people would stop being so emotional and silly and thinking, oh, you're not hood enough if you're black. I don't even care about that. It's just common sense that certain people will link up with certain other people. That's just the way it is. Yeah. And, And so that bothers me because, like you said, if we all have the same goal, you shouldn't really care who's going over here if it ain't you, because right. maybe that's who it's supposed to be. And if you're in a position where you can put somebody else on because you know that their message may reach somebody that you can't, that's what you should do. But for whatever reason, we gatekeep even within Black conservatives, and it's annoying. It's yeah. just annoying. It, it it really is. And I'm glad you, you said that is how people pick their pastors, because you go to the church where you like how the pastor delivers his message. Mm-hmm. And when you are telling people about your church, you you would like pastor so and so he's his, his teaching is this. And, you know, the way he preaches is is, you know, and they they use whatever terms to express why they like it. And. It's, it's something for everybody there. And if it's not, then you go find the church that you like. Exactly. That will that will create an audience that can receive whatever he's saying. And it, I don't know why we don't understand this, because mm-hmm. if you if if it's, it's very easy and I would think that the Republican Party, because they have so much to offer in terms of a, a, a different method of thinking. And they would, I would think they would lean into that mindset because liberals and Democrats have absolutely done that. They know exactly yes, they have. <laughs> who to send to, to a certain neighborhood. They know exactly who to put up, whether it's going to be Sheila Jackson Lee or Maxine Waters, they know who mm-hmm. to send if they want to, get a message to a target audience. Um, they're gonna send what's the other what's the girl's name who is um she calls herself Maxine Waters protege. Um oh God, I can't think of her and I can see her face. Um she used to date common. Uh but anyway they'll send Tiffany her... Haddish? Nope not Tiffany uh, Haddish because I'm like that's all I know used to date common. <laughs> Erica uh, Angela Angela Rye. She dated common? Yes, very briefly. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, very briefly. Um, they will send <laughs> Angela Rye to the Breakfast Club. They know yeah. who to send, that she can get the talking points out. And it just it's just mind-blowing to me that conservatives and Republicans are constantly playing defense against uh-huh. what Democrats and liberals are doing because they get the culture. And yeah. You have a, you know, the Will Smiths who are trying to say, hey, send me into Baltimore, yeah. send me into Philly, send me to Detroit and let's just see, you know, what we can, you know, what we can accomplish. Right. And man, I'm telling you, it's, it's certain circles and, and and I'll say her name because you said it first, but Candace Owens was one of the people that I was looking at when I said, you know what, I like Candace Owens, but here's here's the moment that i started really a light bulb went off about her mm-hmm. when george floyd died she went on instagram and did a live and she spouted all of these facts about george floyd's character and mm-hmm. she was right about what she said mm-hmm. but her de- delivery and the manner in which she talked about it it really turned me off and i said she she was literally like basically telling black people, you all are stupid if you think that this is so on and so forth. And I don't understand how you could be. So, and I was like, whoa, like, right. And you wonder why nobody wants to listen to you talk, even though 
what you're saying is right. It's a reason right. when she did that panel uh on um with Killer Mike and TI and Killer Mike said they both agreed, Killer Mike and TI agreed after the panel was over. Candace is right about a lot of the stuff that she says. They couldn't deny right. it. Mm -hmm. But it was the way she brought it out that everybody was like, we like your message. We just don't like you. Right. You know, okay. and that that should have been an immediate rebranding to conservative, you know, um, super PACs and people who fund these groups to say, all right, we can't send Candace to this city, but we can send Hotep Jesus. Right. You know, or we can send Shamika Michelle or and 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 they can reach these people. You have, you know, the Mosh Therese that are out there that can reach these people as well. And I'm like, these are the voices that they say, all right, this is the click that this is our SWAT team for urban areas that we know that they can, you know, get conversations and be received in this community. And when it comes to, you know, the more suburban um areas where we're talking to communities uh blacks that live in these more suburban upper middle class communities we'll send the candace owens and the brandon tatums and i will send right. those people to talk to talk to those groups and we haven't figured that out and they constantly send the same people the same voices and so when i find somebody new that is what i call on the level that I, I kind of I'm really excited about them. And so I think that's why I, I lean into, you know, the the things that you post and the and the uh the points that you make, you know, the people that you surround yourself. I just started talking, I just recently started listening to Jason Whitlock. Um I want to say it was last summer. Mm -hmm. And I remember when Jason Whitlock was a sports commentator. I remember when he was on ESPN, when he was on Fox Sports, I knew who he was. And my Democrat-driven mind didn't want me to like what he had to say. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of was like, you know, Jason went, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. You know, I felt the same way, you know, Glenn Beck, I, I had to, I really had a problem with Glenn Beck during the Obama years. And it wasn't until I was confused when I watched him do an entire segment on his show for two nights mm. on the first black Republicans in Congress. Mm -hmm. And he laid out and showed pictures and had, you know, historical evidence to show that blacks were his, blacks were Republicans before they were Democrats. And right. I was confused, like, wait, what, what is he even saying right now? And it was like, my brain was like overloaded. And I thought maybe he isn't such a bad guy. And okay. you start to peel back the layers. I used to be a big Roland Martin fan when I was, you know, but then I started looking at him like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. You know, Me so, too. <laughs> it's just like, you know, and, and, the hardest thing is to just get people to say, just listen to what he said, you know, forget the messenger, listen to the message and, and, and ask yourself, how does this line up with your core values, how you feel and live your life morally, which lines up. And that's how you make your choice in which, which, which direction you go. Right. Exactly. And it's, it's the hardest thing for people to get. It's so hard. I was talking to a couple friends. This was our 30th class reunion year or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so we did 30 activities for 30 years. And two, three of us ended up on one of our Zoom calls, like the last people to hang up. And so one of my friends was, um, she, I said something about how I love being around my classmates and no matter, you know, whether people gain or lose weight or, you know, age, gray hair, wrinkles, whatever, when I look into their eyes, they're the same people from high school. Right. And so she was like, yeah, you know, people call me and ask me what's going on with Shamika or what's wrong with Shamika. <laughs> and I tell them, you know, like, she's still the same person. And it's just so funny to me because I'm, I'm like, with her, 
we were raised in the same church mm-hmm. as well as going to the same school and living in the same community. And I'm like, everything that I talk about is what we both learn. Right. Which it lets me know most of us learn these type of things, especially if you were like in the church and very mm-hmm. active. And, Absolutely. You know, so to be wondering what's wrong with this person? No, you should be looking at what's wrong with you. Why is it that in your deepest core being, you feel this certain way, but then you go out and vote for people who are against what you believe, who mm-hmm. are against what's best for you and your family? Don't look at what's wrong with me. What's wrong with you? Exactly. And, exactly. And it is so frustrating because they just won't take that time. And like, even with the walk away campaign, people would say, so you want us to walk away and be Republicans? Neither one of them care. And I'm like, that's not even what I'm saying. I'm mm-hmm. saying, take a step back, look at, you know, principles and values and policies and laws. And if they line up with what you believe, keep voting Democrat. But if they don't, then you need to make a different decision. But so many people, like you said, because family have voted Mm -hmm. that way, they continue to do that or, you know, and they love to post their little sticker on uh, day. But do you know who you were voting for? No, most of the time the answer is no, because here we have this group called the Durham Committee on the Affairs of Black People. And when you pull up to the voting polls, especially in in the black community, they give you this sheet Mm. of who you're supposed to vote for. (laughs) They are always Democrats. And so many times, and I know for years, I would just take the sheet and go in there and mark everybody the sheet told me I should mark. And I know, like, if I did it, and I'm just being honest about it, Y'all did it too. You're yep. not sitting researching these candidates and figuring out where they stand on certain issues. You're not mm-hmm. doing it. I'm asking you though, at this age, do it. Yes. Make some time or at least listen to people that you trust to not lead you in the wrong direction. Like at some point, you gotta take responsibility. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's just so difficult. It's something else you said, and it just kind of went straight out of my head. I should have been taking notes, but it, it is very difficult. But I do try to not say they're never going to change. Yeah, at least not in public. I right. don't say in public. <laughs> right, right. And and that type of I I, I talked to somebody about uh, um a friend of the family, more or less has done the same thing and given us uh uh so here in in charlotte where i live in mecklenburg mm-hmm. county and she My would place. yes okay <laughs> okay she would she would bring she would email everybody in our family oh this is what the charlotte black caucus this is their recommendation for election day mm-hmm. and so she would do that Every time election came around. And so finally this past, you know, November when we elect, when we went to to vote, I finally went back to her and I, in the nicest way, I said, I know you mean well by sending us this. I said, but this is a form of voter suppression that you, you, you may not realize you're doing that. And most people don't see it that way. They think that if I'm suppressing your vote, it's because I want you to have an ID to go right. and vote. Right. Which me personally, I'm I take my ID out intentionally every time I go to vote and I'll wait for them to say, oh, I won't need that. You won't need yeah. that. And it's always <laughs> right. I'm always like, what do you why? Why don't I need this? You know, so I told her and she 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 said, well, are you saying this because I sent you that list? And I said, well, it kind of prompted me to to mention it, because when you direct people on what they should vote in a suggestive way, even though you mean well, you are in a sense taking choice away from us. Right. And she understood what I meant. And, and I said it in a way that she could receive it in love. Like I wasn't coming down on her cause she is my senior. She's an older lady and I wanted to respect her. Um, but we don't agree 
you know, she's very, you know, she's very blue. And right. and she knows that I'm conservative. And right. and so it's it's very hard, you know, when you have people who right on election day, they'll go into the voting booth and they'll find out who's the Democrat. And then they and they say, Oh, it's Joe Blow. Okay. And they'll go in and they'll skip all of the local all the local candidates, all the local mm-hmm. mandates that are on the ballot, they'll go straight to president, vote for the Democrat, and leave the voting booth. I have friends yes. that have never voted in the midterm election. Wow. Um, and and I and I say to them, I got on, I went in a group chat with all my friends. All my friends I grew up with in church, we still have a group chat. It's about nine of us. And I'm the only really vocal conservative in the group. And mm-hmm. and so it's kind of me against them a lot in certain conversations, which is fun because, you know, I like, you know, being the the eye man out in that regard. But when election day was rolling up, I got in there and I said, y'all, listen, it's no excuse to not know what's happening. I said, most of y'all live in Michigan and there's some serious um, mandates on the ballot this year that you need to pay attention to instead of just the candidates, like be informed, like do your research. I said, I'm not going to tell you how to vote. I said, just look at what they're doing. Do some research on these candidates and make your decision based on how it lines up with you. I said, it's no excuse. I said, you have a supercomputer in your pocket. Mm -hmm. You're reading it on, you're reading this message from it right now. It's no excuse to not know. And I think that's the biggest problem for our community is we don't tap into the resource that we have in front of us. And so we use the excuse, I didn't know. Yes. And well, I can't, sure. it can't go anymore. It's not like, come on, man, you can't, that's not, that's not going to work anymore. You know? Yeah, for sure. Here, our public schools just passed the law in support of the LGBTQ plus oh, no. whatever, where the kids now can go to school, you know, he, your son may leave home as Charles and go to school and decide he wants to be a she and be a Charlene. Jesus. And they have to accept that at the school and they don't have to tell the parent. And they can also play whatever sport according to what they identify as. And I had a couple of parents say, oh my God, this is crazy. You know, from like the post that I put up and I'm like, this is who y'all voted for. When you went out and voted for people in the school board, Mm -hmm. like you can't vote for somebody because they went to school with your aunt or y'all went to the same church. Like you got to know how they think. Because now you have a very liberal school board that's pushing BS. And my kids, you know, my my youngest is about to graduate high school. Mm -hmm. I'm still fighting for the little people. You know, there's no reason for you as a parent not to know who you're putting in charge of making decisions for your children where they spend so much time. So much time. Man, it's and it's so frustrating. Like there were 10 people against that policy. I'm like, where were the only pastors? 10? Where yep. were the church members? Where they were... dropped the ball? Yeah, 10 to that's stand ridiculous. That is that's a that's an indictment on on the church. I think when a lot of the issues that you know the, the local church has just kind of gone along and not mm-hmm. really made the decision to say, you know what, we're going to make a, we have to make a stand. But that, that is an inroad to a lot of the things that we see that are happening with, you know, the attack on our children mm-hmm. where they kind of start, we're starting here, but then this will lead to, well, these kids can talk to their counselor and the counselor can suggest gender reassignment surgery mm-hmm. without a parent's consent. And then, you know, it kind of goes into all of these different things. And then they start getting, you know, uh, introduced to these gender queer books in the libraries. And, and yep. it's, just, it's very subtle um, and it's, it's dangerous. And a pastor friend of mine, he said years, years ago, I never, before any of this was popular, this must have been about 15 years ago, 
we were having a conversation and he said, if we're not careful, he said, the, the public school system is going to be the vehicle to bust hell wide open with, with our kids. And mm-hmm. what I'm seeing now is I'm like, he, he, he called it 15 years ago, not even knowing that this was coming down the pike, what right. we're seeing in schools now. And man, I'm on high alert because I have, you know, uh, my seven-year-old is in public school here in, in, in Mecklenburg. I have a daughter that's in preschool and my wife and I are on high alert for the stuff that his teachers are, you know, trying to introduce him to the counselors are trying to introduce him to. And, you know, we've been fortunate and and blessed to, to for him to have good, solid teachers that have not. But I know it's coming. Right. I know that I'm eventually I'm going to have to contend with this on on his behalf and he won't understand it. And right. I am so ready for that. My wife is even we're having conversation now about maybe we need to consider homeschool, you know, because certain things are coming that we don't want our children exposed to. And here's the thing that really bothers me about liberals. They, when we say we don't want our children exposed to that type of thing, Mm -hmm. it's not because we don't, it's because we have a hatred for whatever that thing is. It's, I I told somebody, I said, listen, if you all were talking about heterosexual sexual things in school, I don't want my kid hearing that type of stuff at seven years old. And so it's not that it's about trans stuff or gender fluidity or, you know, LGBT. It's not, that has nothing to do. It's all of it. I don't want any of it. And we get lumped into this group of crazies because, oh, you're against this lifestyle. Like, well, if you ask me, yes, I am against that lifestyle, but I'm more concerned about my child being able to read at grade level and do math at grade level rather than have this stuff introduced. Exactly. You know? So I, it, it's just, it's it's wild. So I, I want to be mindful of the time and I'm looking at the time. So I do have one question that I want to ask you okay. before we wrap up. What would you say is the thing that people misunderstand about your message the most? Hmm. What do people misunderstand about Shamika Michelle? What do they misunderstand about me? I think people, uh, maybe at first glance or when they're just finding out about me, I think they lump me in with the whole, she don't like black people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't have that issue with people who've been following me for a while or who who, you know, that know me, but people that are just coming across me Black people, because mm-hmm. white people don't really say that, but black people will say, oh, she hates herself or, mm-hmm. oh, she doesn't like black people. Whereas you can talk to somebody that went to school with me and they'll say, oh, my gosh, she's so full of herself. You know, oh, she loves herself <laughs> or, oh, you know. <laughs> right. And, you know, um, and so that I think maybe is the, the biggest misconception when they're new. Right. Um. But then once they stick around, it's like they can't look away, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like uh, something about her. Um, and I'll have trolls that uh, like have trolled me for like two years. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, why are you still here? Yep. If you hate me so much, why are you still here? And sometimes I think they are subscribed. Yep. To the point where, you know, they get the notification anytime mm-hmm. I post something and I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's not really lining up with you yeah. hating me. Right. But I think that is probably um, the biggest thing, but it's only if they're new. And yeah. um, I'll also say, as much as I say, don't call me a Christian. Mm-hmm. People call me a Christian mm-hmm. <laughs> or <Okay>. they'll say, <laughs> right. yeah, they'll say, well, a Christian wouldn't be using that language. I didn't say I was a Christian. You mm-hmm. did. Right. <laughs> so I think that is also, you know, a big and I do that purposely, you right. know, um, 
but I think that, and I think it's so funny when they try to use my words against me, like, no, 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 these yeah. called me that. I ne- I didn't call myself that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say it. Don't try to put it, put words in my mouth, and, yeah. uh, you know, make assumptions. So um, it's so interesting that that's always the go-to default for Black people, that if you are not lined up with them, then you uh, you must hate yourself. Right. You know, and it's it's very I think I, I saw something uh, somebody posted on um, Instagram the other day that the first or, or no, the, they opened. So Chick-fil-A is just now starting to make its way into Michigan. Mm, they didn't and have that no, nope. My there were none. There were none <laughs> in Michigan until about maybe a year, maybe two years ago. And wow. they're slowly starting to open more and more. And um, somebody posted and they said, oh, um, black owned Chick-fil-A opens grand opening in Livonia, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I immediately looked at that post and I thought, you know what? America's obsession with race is so boring now. Like, yes, it's, it's not it all the time. You couldn't just say Chick-fil-A is opening. We had to ex- emphasize that it was black owned. Right. You know, so now if the if the restaurant doesn't do well and goes under, then what they say, well, it was the black owned one that, you know, you know, so, yes, you know, it's a setup and, you know, people don't see it that way. So, yeah, you know, it's just I just thought about that. I said, this is boring now. Like what, what, you know, can we move on from this? So like I'll crack a joke. And I remember I put up something about Stacey Abrams eating a corn on the cob. You know, she has that gap in her mm-hmm. mouth. And people are like, how dare you say that about a Black woman? <laughs> Who cares that she's Black? That she's For Black, right. Yes, she's fat and has a gap in her mouth. That's what the exactly. joke was about to me. It 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 had no, it wasn't because, oh, she's Black, I'm coming down on her. And I don't like the assumption that I can't say something because they're black. Like, I feel like I'm an equal opportunity insulter. Yes. So everybody, everybody can get it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so it bothers me when people feel like I shouldn't say something or that I can't laugh at something because somebody else has cracked a joke and the person happens to be black. And I'm like, no, that's funny. Right. To me. Yeah. People are so overly yeah. sensitive. It's just like beyond annoying. Like, you can't even, you can't even deal with some people uh and they and they really you know take the fun out of a lot of stuff like this was really funny but you're trying to ruin it for me now right and 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 stacy abrams is so easily picked at like when you look at her there's there's a lot of material there yes (laughs) (laughs) and i like to crack jokes yeah exactly exactly i I always say like how were y'all raised because some of you try to tell me um, you, I don't like black people, but obviously maybe you haven't been around black people because where I come from, we call it scolding, but mm-hmm. that's what yep. we do. Like yep. we crack jokes on each other and you should have a comeback. Yes. And yeah, it, no, you, know, you got to. Anytime somebody says something about me, it was never, oh my God, I'm black. You shouldn't say that. You know, I had to have a quick comeback. Mm-hmm. And so yep. that's you weren't gonna make it in in Durham public schools if you couldn't Durham hold City your own at the lunch table. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. It was yeah, the same way. Like, this is what we same. used to. We we yeah. You had to you had to have thick skin, or you were gonna be a target every single time. Yes. Yes, indeed. So I want you to now. Um, I want you to plug your book. Uh, and your social media where the listeners, the people who are listening can find you, where they can support you uh, and and just kind of get behind what you're doing. I encourage everybody who's listening to this to keep up with Shamika Michelle. She's obviously the bomb. You heard her talk today um, and and she said a lot of great points and and said a lot of, you know, great things to give us a peek into, you know, what it's like to, you know, be in in um in her shoes um and just you know take a minute tell tell the listeners where they can find you and and how they can support you well definitely tune in to fearless with jason whitlock 
great show. Um, yes, he's a part of the Blaze TV network. But if you don't, if you're not subscribed, make sure you catch him on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And also for me, if you just go to ShamikaMichelle.com, you find me there. You can find me anywhere. My social media links are there. Mm -hmm. uh, a link to my book that is so old at this point and people have been after me to write um I'm supposed to be writing another one I started mm -hmm. and I haven't finished I'm so it's okay it's a work in progress yes but um it's almost like I don't even like um promoting that book because it's so old and I that's okay it always makes me feel like girl get with it let's come out let's time for number two <laughs> <laughs> well we we will look forward to that um definitely i i like i said i'm a fan and and i appreciate it i'm really glad that we were able to have this conversation i enjoyed uh myself i hope you were comfortable here and 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 you had you had a good time yes and Thank you so um much. good i would love to have you back in the future and um i will definitely uh i will let you let you go i will say thank you uh again and god bless you and to all the listeners out there i will say this uh just remember that no matter where you go and no matter what you do common sense is uncommon <laughs>